welcome to another episode of Chronic Relief. Um, today we have a very cool guest. Um, comedian Bill Dawes is here. Hi. Welcome. I'm comedian Bill Dawes. Um, I for, I've, I don't know if I preface like what even this podcast is about. I was just like, hey, Bill Dawes, please come on my podcast. I and knew it had to do with yeah. marijuana. Yeah, weed, obviously. But um, it is. It's a little bit of weed. It's comedy and mental health. Which is okay. something that, all related. yeah, all related, and also this is a place where you feel comfortable sharing what you want to share. Um, I ask questions. I ask maybe tough, triggering questions. Whoa. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> excited. No, I um, my whole goal is to just kind of create a conversation uh, around mainly mental health um, because I feel like we all have it. We all have mental health. And um, it's just not something that's talked about enough. Not at all. Because I think that people see the success side of comedy and entertainment. I mean, they also see uh, the dark side. But there's when you see the dark side, it's oftentimes like, oh, he seems so whatever. What a surprise. And it's like, yeah. no, it's if you actually knew this person or whatever, you would know that they struggled or whatever. So um, I guess my first question is... Uh, how, how, like fuck, how, how fucked up are you? <laughs> I'm like, how would you describe your mental health? I'm still trying because well, myself, I'm just trying to like, I also am learning how to have these conversations around it, it. because I'm still uncomfortable with it, with just talking being, about, of course. Yeah. Just cause like it's the third rail. And I mean, honestly, it's everything. like people will, I'm, de- I'm depressed right now. You, I don't know if anyone would tell, but like. I mean, I've lived with depression my whole You're life. You're wearing a half shirt, so I can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like, you know, I think I, I just, I forgot what I was going to say because obviously I'm stoned. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a really grand point. But I think that. Um, well, you say that you, you live with depression, right? Right. But people wouldn't realize that about right. you. In general comics, people don't think, I think most civilians at this point with all the celebrity deaths and suicides, yeah. I think a lot of civilians probably have an almost uh, an ill-conceived notion that all comics are depressed too and that all comics are suicidal and they're not well. and that's the other thing too is i think that not all comics are like that but i do think a lot of us a lot of us comics are because of how we see the world sure and i said this in my last podcast but a lot of like for me particularly my weaknesses in my life are sometimes my strengths on stage yeah and like for example, like I'm a very reactive person when something triggers me an emotion or whatever. I just want to react. On what do you stage. mean by that, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> but on stage, it's amazing because that's what makes me so yes. witty. Yes. Get that. And so um, I guess for me, I'm just I want to know. I like like how do you like talk to me well, about it? I guess. Yeah. I, well, first of all. Uh, if your listeners don't know, you were on my podcast. I shouldn't plug my podcast. No, no, I want you. How to weird would plug, that be? Plug all the pods. Called the After Laugh. You were one of my early guests, and you were very open and very vulnerable. And you talked about your childhood and growing up, up and uh, your struggles with mental health, and just sort of dealing within the context of your family mm-hmm. and how you grew up, and how weed sort of kind of lifted you to a degree, yeah, <laughs> from despair. So, um. And I remember when you're talking about it, there were moments I think you even were like, wow, I haven't really talked about this before. Yeah. And in my mind, as a, as a comic who's doing really well, I, I was like, oh, that's surprising. I would assume that you've this is something that you're almost fully realized about. Mm-hmm. 
but like you said, you're still kind of. So my my point of view uh, in terms of mental health, uh, and this is great because my mom and dad will never listen to this. Um, <laughs> my mom was very clearly, clearly undiagnosed bipolar. Okay. Um, or another word for that is Irish. <laughs> hey now, <laughs> that's a great joke. <laughs> let, me write, let me write that down. But she was an alcoholic, and she became addicted. She, and she's a she's a great woman. Um, so because of that sort of volatility that she represented in my life, that was you know the your the first love of your life is your mom mm-hmm. as a man. As yeah. crazy as that sound, that's the that's the, crazy. the paradigm for every woman. So um, I found myself in a cycle of getting attracted to women who are bipolar, mm-hmm. and I think that's very natural. And I ended up so sort of this is this is kind of my biggest understanding and kind of struggle with mental health uh i ended up having basically a one-night stand with a woman Mm -hmm. who got pregnant okay and she had a daughter so i have a daughter um and the mother was was uh i guess the word is tripolar now is that the word but well i don't know if that's like the cool hipster casual way of saying borderline plus bipolar okay but um that's what that's what i was last diagnosed do they do they use the word tripolar? Not tripolar. Oh, but it was like, like they said I had BP. That was the last like professional diagnosis I received from someone was that I had borderline personality disorder. So here's the weird thing about it. So this so I found out that I had a daughter like in the early two thousands, right? Like two thousand. Oh, you didn't know. Oh, I didn't find out until she was two. Um and you know, I'm a young guy, I'm in my twenties and I'm kind of going, uh and this woman is is doing a constant state of slap and tickle as I'm trying to negotiate my way as a father with right. this. Which is like, you know, I just want you to be around just for genetic information and testing. Didn't know she has a dad. That's great. And then a week later, like, you're a piece of shit. <gasps> you haven't done anything. You know how much the hospital costs? You owe me so much. I'm going to take you to fucking court. And then like, what am I going to do? And then, oh, it's fine. And then she'd have a boyfriend. So what was happening is over the court, and now my daughter's, you know, she's 18 now. So yeah. over the course of her cycling and i don't know i don't know that much about bipolar right and i i still feel like people really don't know that much about yeah. bipolar even medical experts it's crazy because everything i feel like everyone i know is like claims to be bipolar but like no one really knows what it is <laughs> yeah. or even talks about it yeah well it's like asperger's and autism yeah. there's a spectrum i guess everyone's on the line and how do you differentiate anyway but so she would have periods of maybe two years where she would be okay in a relationship she'd have a job and then everything would go tits up in a ditch, and she would spin out. And by spin out, I don't mean like she would call me a meanie. She would drive her car into a tree. She would commit a felony. She would get pulled over by the cops. I mean, it was like Lindsay Lohan shit. Oh shit! And um, and while this was happening, a lot of people, her, the mother, and people around the mother, like the grandparents and her boyfriends, would sort of attack me for not being enough of a of a father to my daughter and saying that um. She's acting this way because you're not taking enough responsibility. That's not fair. Well, it's not only is it not fair, but it's completely not true. Right. Um, so, but they didn't know how to have a conversation about the fact that right. she was mentally ill. Right. And it wasn't until about they were in their own denial. Yeah. Yeah. And it took a long time. I did a lot of research until I finally convinced the grandmother of my daughter, the mother's mother, that her daughter was mentally ill. Oh wow. And. And and I told her that in a way, not like your daughter, but to give her a sort of template to work with in terms of talking to her, as opposed mm-hmm. to your daughter's a cunt. She's actually yeah. not a cunt. She's ill, and yeah. she needs help. So if you keep fighting with her, and you have a relationship with your daughter, and then, oh, she's mean, and then you don't talk to her for yeah. a year, and then you come back, oh, she's better now. 
And that kept happening. At one point, I was like, wait, this is obviously a pattern for people who are bipolar. They cycle, right? And I don't know how long the cycles are for different people, but clearly for the mother of my daughter, it was about one or two years. So then it became clockwork. Uh, after I discovered this, it was I was there like, like a triggering event that would usually send it into yeah, spiral. Yeah, but even even without the triggering event, I think there I think there just becomes a point where, you know, we don't live in a utopia. The world is yeah. a, it's nothing but triggers. So I think that as her, she would sort of be okay and things like seem to regulate it. And meanwhile, she's still not diagnosed at this point. Wow. Um, you know, obviously, I would just wait. I was like, usually it was the holidays. I think for a lot of people, it's holidays. Usually Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. She sent a group email to uh, to people saying that she's going to kill herself on Thanksgiving, and like my daughter was on that email, oh. and that was one of the f- first times where I really said, "Okay, we we can't point fingers. We can't say we can't ignore this. this anymore. We just have to accept that she is incredibly ill. Yeah, it's not personal." Even when she calls me evil and the devil and a piece of shit and da da da, she's not evil. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to not take it personally and go, yeah. okay, she's actually severely ill. And when my daughter's in eighth grade, I had to have a conversation with her about it, you know, which is very difficult too because you also, I, I want her to love her mom and I don't yeah. want her to think her mom's a villain or her mom's doing anything because I would say your mom is doing her best, you know, mm-hmm. she's re- she has a condition. Yeah. People have different, people have skin conditions, people have. Cancer. all sorts of cancer yeah. this is just another condition mm-hmm. and because of the way that american psychiatry has presented itself over the past you know 100 years it's still a weird thing that people don't yeah because talk we about. don't when people say they have cancer we don't like tell we don't question their their cancer diagnosis yeah. we don't like start to tear it apart and make our own suggestions medically yeah. of how to get out of it exactly and like people don't realize that it's a real thing and you can't just exercise it off you Mm -hmm. know and it's it's not just a and like what works for one person may not work for another and everyone's path to like recovery or treatment or like living this life to find a life worth living is different yeah it reminds me of that mitch hedberg joke uh and i will do a little bit of a mitch hedberg impersonation (laughs) while i do it he said alcoholism is the only disease where people get mad at you for having yeah exactly No one's like, damn it, Mitch, you have lupus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's so true. And like, I really think that this, it's kind of like what's happened, like in Ireland and over in Britain, you know, like alcoholism is a huge problem and it's a part of the culture. And because of that, you know, we're starting to see more mental illness and people just becoming alcoholics. Like it's just a part of, and and they've just accepted this as the norm. Which is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's so funny how many things that are actually really bad for humanity, <laughs> for the progress, yeah. just get sort of talked about with like a casual, like, oh, I'm Irish, so I'm drunk. Right. Or, or, oh, the casting couch, alliteration, like right. all these awful things. Or even things. like I know in like Italian culture, I mean, I just learned from Sopranos, but also from like my friends who are Italian, like going to therapy is not just, it's not something that you do. Like oh, it's really? just like you keep it in the family you know, like Jews, we love talking about our problems. It's just, you know, give you us a, a microphone. And pre-K, Literally, yeah. like I've had one my, I feel like my whole life, but I feel like it, it's also, it is different culturally across in, in different communities as well. And also among men, I feel like it's almost taboo to kind of talk about your feelings and um, your emotions and things like that. Like it's yeah. almost like a, it's seen as a weakness. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I've been an actor for so long. But that's different. So I'm half a fag already. You no. know what I mean? I mean, I'm already. <laughs> but like, like acting is, but like growing up, 
wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, absolutely. And my dad is like a Republican right. government you, guy. And what I think does your I, dad do? He well, he's retired now, but he used to. He used he's to. A politician? Um, huh? He's a politician. No, no, no. He's a very low, low level government worker. Okay. Um, but he worked on nuclear submarines and he helped design valves. Okay. So that was his whole life, yeah. just working on these little valves. Right. Um, and by the way, my dad is a great guy, so it's part of the reason why when people go, fucking all Republicans unfollow me, I'm like, no, there are actually re- some really great ones. Yeah, you know? I'm not a Republican hater. I'm, yeah, there's a lot of people that I um, love that are Republican. But I remember the first time, and I <laughs> when I went to like acting school, I went to grad school for acting, and that's all about- Were they supportive of it? Well, I think for because I went to I went to undergrad for Princeton right, at Princeton because they gave him a half a million. I'm kidding, um, half a million <laughs> is that what they gave him? Um, no, they didn't give. Him, I was obviously poor and on scholarship, mm-hmm. but um, I went for aerospace engineering because my dad oh, was wow. an engineer, and and I wasn't a great student. I mean, I'm not being like <laughs> I went to Princeton as a rocket scientist, ladies. I mean, you got into Princeton. That's yeah, but keep in mind, th- there's a whole story about that, and I think I was there. I think I was their black quota. I'm serious. Oh, I'm serious because my high school was a very kind of dark, right. I see like, what you're rough saying. public yeah. school, and there was an article about how Princeton didn't let anyone in from my school. And then the next day, next year, I got in. Wow. Coinkydink. kidding. Yeah. Not that I'm stupid, but anyway, uh, the point is, um, so I went from there school to school, so it was an easier transition mm-hmm. for my parents to be like, well, I guess he's still in school. And then my first job was a Broadway show with Sigourney Weaver. Oh, wow. So they came up and they saw and they met her and they were in a limo. And they're like, what do you mean your first show? The first show I got out of school was a Broadway show. You were on Broadway the first time you got out of school? Yeah. Performing? Yeah. So With uh, Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. From Ghostbusters? From Ghostbusters. An alien? The Sigourney Weaver? The, Sigourney the Weaver. only Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Actually, actually, one of the most embarrassing times because I actually hit on her. Like, Fuck really? It. She was like, I want to be your mentor. I think you're amazing. I want to take you under my wing. And then I got drunk. I was like, I really like sex or something retarded. And she was like, check, please. No. It was so bad. It was you should so apologize bad. now. You think so? Maybe you still have a shot. <laughs> I've thought about that. What if I see her again? Would she remember you? Of course she would. Remember, I'm that guy that wanted to sleep with you. Because she ago. was literally like, I want... I want to be your mentor. Oh man, and then you could have been in Ghostbusters. I didn't, I didn't have any because of my stupid brain. I didn't have any way to process what that means. So I was like, uh, we, I should, we should. How both. old are you? What twenty three? Oh, you're only doing what twenty three. Any twenty three year old would do. That's my theory. Right. Yeah. Anywho, so back to mental health and cannabis. <laughs> I did. W- I did want to kind of talk to you about. Uh, speaking of segues. Let's do it. I want to talk to you about the the uh, CBD stuff yeah. because you know I have very bad lower back problems. Have you ever used it? I I have been using it. Okay. Um, Has it been helping? I don't know, and I don't know if I'm using the right one. What, or co- I, what brand are you using? I just went to Erewhon and talked to some hippie with. No, nah, you need to go to a dispensary. Oh really? Yeah, you need to go to a dispensary and you need to get a brand. Probably, I would recommend like a Papa and Barkley, and get something with THC in it. Um, you won't feel high, but you need a little bit of THC to I activate the CBD. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, just I, I feel like a lot of the stuff in the Irwan is like hemp C- or I feel like a lot of it, might, most of it might be hemp CBD, but um, it might be diluted or who knows. I would rather just recommend And you should take it away. internally as opposed to a cream. No, you can do both. There's patches you could do. Patches, wow. Yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. debilitating. As a matter of fact, it's interestingly enough because I feel like I've always been a pretty... 
in terms of my mental health, I'm sure I obviously have issues. We all do, but I've never really, I've also been just kind of there yeah. as a human being, you know, I've just kind of been okay. Like well, I'll, t- I'll talk to comic friends of mine and they'll be like, dude, I don't want to, I want to name them, but my, <laughs> I talked to this friend of mine last night. He's like, man, I don't know this fuck. Like, oh, I hate it. It's fuck. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making like, you know, 1500 from Burr's podcast every week. And I have my own podcast, make another like 1200 from that. And then I have these, sh- but like, man, and then I'm a recurring on Better Call Saul. But oh like, I'm my going like, God. I'm like, okay, obviously we just real do this. But I was like, shut the fuck up, Joe. Like what, what are you, compl- <laughs> and he's complaining to me and I'm sitting there like with my dick in my hand watching Sports Center on yeah. like Tuesday going like, really, Joe? If I had one of those, I would be thrilled. Yeah. So. So anyway, but I've never been the guy who's like, oh, I've always been like just kind of there. And then I feel stupid that I'm just kind of there because I like I feel like I should be doing more. So I don't everyone fe- feels that way, though. But I don't Every- f- but I'm not overwhelmed but- by like the 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 depression or it's never really happened well i don't think like i mean like i said everyone not everyone has that experience but everyone has experience with mental health like you said because someone in your life very close to you struggle with it and that is a whole nother side of it is that is like a loved one's side of like how that uh, how that affects you and how you see it yeah and it's also important that like for me to have people in my life who are supportive and understanding and acknowledge that, you know, this is um, not something that she's just making up mm-hmm. or whatever. And I mean, th- it is still important to have that conversation from the other side of like, I'm someone who experiences someone in my life who is mentally ill or mm-hmm. s- struggles with mental yeah. health or whatever. And um, those conversations are also important as yeah. well. I-, I was talking to someone the other day about, uh, the the third rail uh, concept the idea that there's certain things that nobody touches right uh one of the mental health mm-hmm. like people don't want to talk about that and politics now what's that politics i feel like you can kind of do it in a way what's, that, what what would you say is okay so mental well, health so so for men to <laughs> i don't know if this is third rail but two things that men never really want to talk about or even accept vulnerability or weakness in is fighting and fucking and mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's hilarious to me because men are like Dude, you never see me fight. Even grown ass adults, a lot of them are like, "Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm crazy." I'm like, because it's like if you've never been in a fight, then you're then a you pussy. Just... But who also like <laughs> wants to just be the dude who gets in fights all yeah, the time? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then same thing with sex is people. Uh, we don't talk about sex enough, I think, in our culture, and we don't really discuss sort of the mental health aspect of sex and how, yeah. how powerful it is and how how hard it can be on people's lives if they abuse it. And it's just this thing that is like. Oh, dude, I can fuck. Or people think. And meanwhile, if you're not trained in fighting and if you're not really trained in fucking, guess what? You're yeah. not going to be great at either. Well, I mean, like, for because growing up, my parents, like, sex was always, like, super tap. Like, it was, like, it was just something you just. Like, it was, like, I don't know. I'm not sure how the. Com- it was more just, like, like, I remember anytime, like, a part. <laughs> remember the Birdcage, the movie with Robin mm-hmm. Williams? <laughs> I don't know why my dad covered my <laughs> eyes in this part. But it's when he goes into the. Mo- to the mom's office to ask her to come play the mother and they uh. just are dancing. Yeah. Do you remember that yeah, scene yeah. where she, uh, I forget what's the actress's name. She's amazing. My dad like covered my eyes with that. I'm like, that's just an intimate moment between a gay man and the woman. He got pregnant and ha- like, why are you shielding me from this? And have you like, asked him that? No, but I just, I mean, there's other things like <laughs> my dad <laughs> thought this would be a great dad daughter date would take me to see the movie traffic. Um, <laughs> 
which is a movie about oh boy. sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, well, that's what happens when you have a dad who's a politician and a criminal defense attorney. Uh, yes. You know, father daughter dates are just scare tactics. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I remember him like holding. I'm, I'm like, Dad, I'm like 15, 16. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of figured it out. But you're right. I mean, I think because they didn't have that healthy conversation with me about it, I just I wasn't like. I mean, yeah, I had sex at a very young age. On full disclosure, I had sex when I was 15. But, yeah. th- but I feel like if maybe they had a different approach about it versus just saying, no, don't do that. Of course. That maybe it would have been different. Yeah. You know, I think there's something about. Uh, so these weird like gray areas where things are sort of um, they are mechanical and they are, are personal and we kind of can't, I think in America, maybe, maybe the world, but it's hard to combine the two. It's like the whole idea of the clockwork orange, right? That you have this this fruit, which is whole and pure and organic, and then you mechanize it, right? So that becomes true with your brain, right? That becomes true with everything. So look at it this way. So I do uh, jujitsu, right? That's the thing that is probably my, my uh, therapy. And when people ask me about it, I, oh my God, I, I changed my life. Really? You know, and I can go on and on about that. I've also done some self-help. I've okay. taken like landmark form and stuff like that. I've heard about that. If I is say, it culty? Well, that's the thing. If I go, jujitsu is culty as fuck. Jujitsu is like you have a master. You call him master. You go in there. You play legion. I feel like comedy is culty though. Comedy is culty too. I feel like anything too. is culty. Exactly. So the point is, yeah. So I say jujitsu. You don't say culty. I say landmark. You say culty. The, mm-hmm. pro- the reason is because landmark deals with mental health. Okay. And the minute mental health comes in equation, people have to, they back up and they get weird and they go, oh, what, that's uh, if if I've seen people who are in bad situations in their life, and look, I don't work for Landmark. I think there's a lot of dumb shit about it, but it also helped me at a time. Okay. And the fact that bringing it up feels weird and embarrassing and vulnerable is weird because I can talk about jujitsu, which yeah. changed my life. I can talk about the fact that I became a yoga teacher that changed my life. I can talk about a lot of things. I would hope that l- you're saying bringing up landmark. Oh, it's like a weird, like I bring up people, like in LA, people like like fold their arms. Oh, really? that, yeah. But you say jujitsu, people will tell me more. Yeah. So what is the difference between jujitsu or self Because they're both self help. They are both self help, one hundred percent. Because I'm not going to go fight people with my jujitsu. Right. I mean, I have. I find but. it crazy, but that's the other thing that I find crazy is like I said this in the last podcast is, you know, every year they're like, go get your eyes checked, go get your teeth checked, you know, go get a checkup. But no one's like, go check your brain, go talk to someone. Yeah, Where exactly. are you mentally because, as a human in this earth? Because people cannot. Again, they can't. Uh, they can't reconcile the idea of the orange with the clock. They mm-hmm. can't. They can't figure out how to take something like a brain, which is like vague, and or like fighting, which in their brains is vague because it's about passion, and fucking, which is about passion, and this vague sort of organic thing, and and find formulas and equations like math, like mathematically break it down. I mean, what got me into jujitsu was this idea. I hated fighting. I was always. I remember when I was a kid and I would punch someone. I would cry for days. <laughs> I was such a little hair. You know, I was such a little sensitive boy. On my in my yeah, bedroom. Yeah, imagine how the the guy who you punched felt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in my bed, I'll put it this way: in my bedroom, because my dad was born uh. Christian. I had a poster of a little baby duck, and it said, "Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth." Right. That's adorable. Yeah, and everyone else had like I don't know, fucking Farrah Fawcett or whoever. I'm, I'm yeah. dating myself, but um. So women with their tits out, and you just <laughs> you had know, a baby or cars, duckling. Cars, <laughs> a baby duckling, and I didn't think it was weird. So I was always terrified of fighting. And then when I started watching, and then one time I was really sick, I watched the UFC, and what I learned from that because oh, it's fighting, no holes barred, two people fighting, like blah. And the guy who won was this 
crazy jujitsu pra- practitioner who didn't really throw punches. He wasn't big. He didn't know how to kick. He didn't look tough at all. But he learned the, the mechanics of how to submit people. Mm-hmm. And no one else knew these mechanics at the time. So he won like the first four UFC. And I was like, oh, wow. So fighting isn't about... Tito Ortiz? <laughs> Ken Shamrock? Oh, he... he, he, he uh, yeah, Hoist Gracie, you know, beat Kim Shamrock. But yeah, again, Kim I, Shamrock. I used to be into UFC when it first came out because in Vegas and I like watched the of first course, reality of show of Tito and Ken. Okay, and, like, so that's s- when the teams but, came but out. But it really came out in the early 90s that people really? that, like the old school jiu-jitsu. They've changed the rules. But the point is, I go, here's something that, again, is this is the orange, that fighting. Oh, my God, it's this mysterious thing that means passion. And, and if you're if you're angry, you have a bigger point of view, then you'll beat the fight. And so it's really just about technique. Well, and, I, my mom put me in karate as a kid, which is definitely different than obviously Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I feel like a lot of that people think karate is like fighting, but a, a lot of it is like mastering the mind, isn't it? Or just like, yeah, or I like, think, beca- I, thought, I think like, a lot of martial arts is that. Yeah. Or like a lot of mind strength or self-talk yeah. and stuff. But so back to the idea of, of the mental health thing is I think it's exact same way. People, people have a tough time reconciling with the, the, the massive capacity and creativity and ingenuity of the brain with figuring out paths to have a better life. Right. They feel, and people, for some reason, therapy, the conversation around therapy has changed because now therapy is cool. Like, I got to go to my therapist. I've been going to therapy since I was five. So it's never been like cool to me. And honestly, I was like ashamed for a long time to even admit that I would, as a a kid, like who wants to be like, yeah, I'm in therapy when all of your friends are normal (laughs) or at least seemingly. But if there's any group thing where you went to go to, like a landmark, and I don't want to equate Scientology, that's obviously different, or like Tony Robbins or any of that shit, um, people right away go, Oh, yeah. what's so fucked up? But if you say go to a therapist, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You're edgy. You're working out your jokes. Mm-hmm. But if you go to something like that, all of a sudden people think you're some like weirdo cult leader. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not a cult member. So it's it's a very weird thing to talk about. And I, I think that's part of the reasons. That what is the premise of Landmark to just. The, the premise is and I've ha- I've got people to do it before. Um, is it expensive? No. The, the idea is that therapy is th- there is a conflict of interest inherent in therapy which is if you're solved, you're done, and you don't pay the person, right? I mean, that's the inherent conflict in a lot of things. Oh, you mean just like, like people a are going like, to fix, they're to fix, to think that, like they're going to be fixed. Well, let me put it this way, and I'm not re- referring to you, obviously, with this, because I don't know you that well, but maybe it is referring <laughs> to you. But I've known people who have been in therapy for 30 years, and they're f- massively fucked up. Yeah. And and they've they've learned so many tools around psychology and psychiatry to justify just shitty behavior and yeah. shitty actions that anything they do, they can find some weird psychological sort of treatise. And I know a lot of, I don't well, think- Well, a like, lot of therapy is like self-acceptance. Yeah, I think a lot of therapy is bullshit. I'm not saying that your therapist yeah. is, but I think a lot of it is a lot no, of- No, I, 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 I agree with you in that, in that sense of there's different types of therapy out what do there. What you do? So I think there's types of therapists that like to dwell on like there's certain types of therapy like to uncover like your past trauma and and, yeah. and 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 talk about the past. And then for me, like from being diagnosed borderline personality disorder, um, I was recommended to go to a certain type of therapy called DBT therapy, Never which is dialectical behavior therapy. And it's all based in it's mainly based in like some Buddhist pr- principles like mindfulness, meditation, sure. um, like when like usually they say there's like a prompting event 
that happens, right? Uh-huh. Like there's triggers all around us. So here's the prompting event, you know, whether it be um, you get into a fight or there's an issue at work or whatever. So based off that, here are tools to that you can learn for emotional regulation so that you can respond or yeah. not respond or whatever. Yeah. So it's basically it teaches you tools that you learn mm-hmm. from practicing or yeah. whatever to kind of just li- the whole theme is to live a li- to have a life worth living. Sure, exactly. I think that a lot of self-help uh sort of I mean most of self-help in America originated after World War II, veterans came home and they were fucked up and no one would, they were like, "Hey, take this." We don't know how to deal it's with called it. It's called LSD, take it. Um and they didn't know how to deal with it and people know how to talk about it and but at the same time around like the 50s and 60s, a lot of eastern philosophies started coming mm-hmm. over like to Buddhism, the west. Like Buddhism. So Buddhism is really the root of almost all self-help yeah. and all like mo- like CB, CBT. Well, that's what they say like is like um I've heard of CB CB or cognitive, cognitive behavior therapy. therapy yeah. Um like there's that whole Buddhist quote where if you're living if you're depressed it's because you're living in the past or sure. whatever, you're dwelling on things that, you know, and if you're anxious it's because you're living in the future and you just need to be present. Yeah. And that's what a lot of this is is like don't worry so much about what happened then or what isn't going to happen but just be in the moment yeah and and that i think that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from especially like when something happens i already as a creator in my mind i created a movie of how it's already played out like i have the characters i already know what the dialogue is you know who i've casted whatever (laughs) and then like again like a lot of my depression i mean i don't maybe it's because i'm living in the past but like I, i i tend to think that a lot of it is because I'm just very, I'm a realist. Sure. <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of comedians are because it's yeah. like, like look finding at the, comedy Why am I depressed? Truth. Look at the world, yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah. But I also want to, I don't like to harp on it either because, and, and that's another reason why I've had such a hard time, I think, talking about it is because who wants to hear someone complain all the time, you know, that they're depressed. And I think a lot of it is perspective yeah. and a lot of life is how you look at it. And I think that social media has exacerbated everything sure. and is definitely going to play a part in making mental illness a huge problem in years to come. Like we're going to see things that like on massive levels of people just not being okay. Yeah. They don't have the tools there. And we're so overly stimulated mm-hmm. and like, especially with social media, that that like feeling that we get of depression that i think is linked from it is because we're just comparing our lives yeah you know yeah like maybe i read an article it was like about relationships or something and this girl i think her boyfriend took her out to dinner on valentine's day and they had a dinner or whatever and then she went home and went on instagram and she saw all of her friends were getting like flowers and this and that and then she became depressed yeah well before social media you weren't aware yeah that your fucking friend you know, had a better Valentine's Day date. You were yeah. just grateful. <laughs> what I you completely got. agree. I will also say this. So my daughter is kind of off social media now. And the reason is that. So there is something also about this generation there. They were privy to that idea that this is bad for you before us adults who were like, you think they're aware of it. Oh, because yeah. I see babies Years in restaurants. Ago, my, my daughter's like, this is maybe, but maybe it's her group of people, but there's a lot of kids who are actually off who are off of it that we don't hear about who are like in school and doing their shit and they and they recognize that it's bad for them and they yeah. don't want to do it. Our generation, I mean, my generation didn't get so lucky. We're kind of a weird, like the millennials are kind of weird because we're in the in-between of like the older generation. Like we were the last generation that experienced the world before the internet. Yeah. At least I was old enough to sure. before cell phones and all that shit yeah. and the internet. But like we're also 
now in between the younger generation that's yes. like grew up in this world and they don't realize that this is not how it was. <laughs> Can I tell you the f- a funny story? Because yeah. we should make this also funny. Yeah. I feel it's my fault to make it so. But here, but my friend, he, my best friend is, I don't know how old you are. My best friend's like 28. He's like my little I'm older. brother. I'm 32. He's like, he's, he's 28. And I remember, and I kind of felt like, oh, I'm going to mentor him, help him along. And he was like dating girls. He's like, yeah, so we we're having sex. And then I pulled out to come on her face. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he goes, you know, like when you pull out and you come on her face. I go, what, you, she was okay with that? I was like, what do you mean? And I think I've done that in my life like once. And They're I just fe- out here doing I felt, it? So, because he goes, but that's how you, so think about it. So he grew up at age 27, 28, he grew up watching just porn. internet porn. Yeah. And internet porn is oh, 90% man. That's coming, what it in, is. coming in someone's yes. face. So he thought that that that's was love. just what you do. He thinks that's what making love is. When you is. have sex with a random girl. <laughs> oh. I thought I mean, that's with his girlfriend that he's been but with. But even, no, not his girlfriend. I mean, now he's like married and he's a fucking pimp. But um, now but he's wh- doing it to his wife. <laughs> I'm sh- may- probably and not. And his no, kids. I know no, his wife. I've doubted it very much. But, and he's a great guy. So it wasn't like, like, yeah, dude, it came in her face. It was just like he thought yeah. that that was what was normal. Is you, when you pull, when you're not having sex with yeah. a you pull out. And we, well, according to the interwebs, you come on their face. I'm genuinely concerned about away. what the future generations are learning on the internet. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the idea that he thought that that was normal. He's a smart guy, so it wasn't. He was like, Duh. he thought that's kind of what you do, right? And meanwhile, he told me this when he was like 20. But I also years feel old. like that's just something he's probably into. But maybe because of what he's the porn. The okay, porn. well, if you want to go there, who isn't? I mean, I'm yeah, kidding. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, that's just a dude thing, isn't it? <laughs> Is that not? I don't know. I wouldn't know. I mean, I would know, but I wouldn't know. I watched. I watched. I did. I watched point of view porn for the first time the other day. And Gonzo was fascinated about how many points of view there were. I didn't. What know. do you mean point of view? Like it's that's the the Gonzo form where it's like they have like the GoPro or some shit. I don't know if that. I don't know. It like a walk like into a restaurant. And I didn't, I'm still trying to understand what it means. Don't go too deep in the rabbit hole. I won't. I, I it was. I was very. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating. That's the why you're porn. depressed. You're watching I your know, point I'm of view. I'm just watching porn. terrible <laughs> porn. Maybe I would be, feel better. I um, do think that that porn is an, an something people talk about not not in terms of how it really negatively affects people. You think it's a negative? Oh my. god. God, yes. Particularly now on Pornhub or... Well, aren't people becoming, like, desensitized? I mean, again, I think these are things that we... That this generation is just going to have... is We're going to see the effects of and we won't know. I'll give you an example with with Pornhub. And I've never told this before, and I'm still processing it. But, like, I will... Every once in a while, I'll be alone, and I'll feel like, hmm... And I'll go on Pornhub or PornMD or whatever the fuck it is. And, uh, PornMD? I'm going to have to look that And one. I'll look up things that appeal. Because you can like basically yeah. Google search in the bar. And I'll put and I'll be like, lovemaking. You know, I want like really, like a couple. Tender. Like real, <laughs> real, real couple. They have that. They have that. They have couples. Oh, I know, I know. But I'll go like female orgasm. Like <laughs> it's like a very, like not like a rough shit. I'm not. And then I'll click on it. And it'll show, but on the side, there will be ads. And the ads will be like a robot raping a Japanese girl. Is that real? Oh, for sure. So the ads are the most, like, I can't even look at the ads. How is that? Is rape porn a thing? Uh, Is it? What? Is that a thing? Is rape porn a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, see, I'm new to porn. Okay. The porn world. 
then I think what I would recommend you read a good book and try to masturbate to that because this shit is evil. No, so literally I'll be like, I oh. didn't know that that was like, I thought, I would think that they would like, I mean, I guess censorship, but isn't. Real know. amateur couple, but it's already on this website. Mm. And then like the ads are like literally like a girl getting fucked in the ass with like a robot dick. And like, I don't, I didn't actually. Is that a thing? Robot dicks? Yeah, my God, it's everywhere. learning so much. It's I gross. Mean, I, I'm genuinely worried about, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense, robot sex. Honestly, if there was a place that people could go to just pay, like, I'm for paid, I think sex work should be, like, a, a, a regulated industry. I'm very, like, yeah. pro that. Um, but I am concerned about how robots, like, are going to affect human <laughs> so what do you mean? Like I feel like at some point, you know, if you could, if you could just get your rocks off with a robot, there's no need to have a, a significant other. But don't you think that people, at the end of the day, I think it's the opposite. I think that people have sex really for intimacy, yeah. whether they admit it or not. No, I I do, but I don't think that everyone can get sex for intimacy. If that or even you're get saying sex. that two fat people can't meet. No, I'm just saying that. I mean, look at the whole concept of like in in celibate people. People who just oh yeah, what's feel that called again? Incels. In, incels. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I don't know if it's their choosing, but they're like blaming the world, particularly women, for the lack for their. But I'm like, if they could just go and have sex with a robot, <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a woman. I guess so. I don't know. I feel like for some people, but that's it's also different because I think yeah, it is. It's in our nature to want to like find someone. So do you think if sex work was legal, there'd be less assault? I'm thinking that maybe, maybe perhaps, or I'm not really sure because I'm wondering if it would affect that, um, like some people pay prostitutes, yeah, right? But like if you could just go and, you know, not, not think of it like that, like think of it as like a service, like almost like a yeah. self-help type thing, yeah. you know? I think it's all about, because we're conditioned, women are conditioned that, like, well, like, the female orgasm was not as valued because our role was to just get pregnant and have sure. kids. So, like, the or the the idea of that was only studied or whatever within the last whatever, however many years, because they didn't even consider it. You know what I mean? Like that 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 sex to women was something was for pleasure, other mm -hmm. than just creating children but i think that's also something that like we've been marketed as just the idea of marriage and even kid, your generation you feel like you've been marketed as people who as as an women expectation that should not well i just feel pleasure. like that well i just feel no i just feel like it was like almost like i'm 32 i'm unmarried i've never had kids i say i'm, I'm basically a virgin um but like i feel like it was marketed to me that i was to get grow up get go to school go to college get married have kids you know whatever mm -hmm. and that but i also think that that's a social construction like that's just something society has yeah. passed down because it is like yeah. the like man and woman what up that's something that society says i get that what would you think about the argument the chicken and egg argument which is that society became that way because there are but i also differences. think that it's we've been able to continue like we've been able to you know, l last this long because of man and woman and people procreating and yeah. like that process of, you know, having kids and having babies or whatever. However, I think there is a place 
for us to start thinking about sex and pleasure and that in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like you may not be able to get it from another person, you know, yeah. like maybe it isn't fair. about, maybe it isn't about intimacy for you. And it purely is just like a, I just need that before I can like paint you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But like, I, I know I, I agree with you in a sense of, I do think like most people would prefer it to be with a real person and like have a real connection and like obviously with the one that they love. But I, I think it's also an uncomfortable topic. Like you said, sex is uncomfortable for people. Yeah, even and masturbation I is, is a 100%. bizarre thing to talk about. And I think that, that we would probably be more surprised at, to know that maybe some people wouldn't mind if it was with a real, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Who well, knows? I know in Japan it's already, isn't it? Already, yes. Don't people have like wives and girlfriends? It's like that movie, Her, Her. or whatever. Yeah. That's going to be a thing. Cause it, if <laughs> I think some, we are in a time in our lives where we can cater everything to our, like we, we custom our television choices. You know, our dating yeah. is all, by an algorithm, you know, like we can go in and put in what we want and pops out, you know, what to our desires and whatever. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like we're at a point where they're like, you can DNA decide what your children are going to look like. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's yeah. nothing natural about that. Like we're leaving a lot of our destiny up to technology. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if like a Japanese businessman or whoever didn't have time to go out, date, get to know someone, <laughs> find out if they're a good person, because let's be real. How often has that really ever worked out for most people? <laughs> and wouldn't it make sense to just create your. Yeah, I guess so. I, th- I mean, but it also I mean, no, because then that person <laughs> doesn't come with a human history or whatever. But I also I also I'm sorry if I'm interrupting. Go no, please. I, I also think that whenever I think about liberal versus conservative, Republican versus Democrat, I think of the same thing about like mechanics versus like organic right yeah and i think that is always the tension in human existence and it's been there forever man it's versus always, machine or it's, whatever well it's always been the idea of these are the rules this is and this and wanting something more and and having an emotional life that is complex and varied and can mean anything and this is how you live a life and that's the argument that's like the, the republican democrat argument in a nutshell and a lot of democrats and republicans both think the other side should be wiped out and that will create some sort of utopia and it's bullshit because you yeah. need both tensions. so the idea that someone can have a relationship with a robot and have a s- s- fulfilled life is at the end of the day that's only part of it yeah the other thing will if if the world keeps getting mechanized and it become keeps coming more like kind of republican in the way that everything becomes more like right angles and less and more linear and less kind of like quantum and vague then eventually there's going to be a resistance to that right, right? so I, I i don't have as pessimistic point of view about the future because i think that that humanity is really intense and our souls are really intense and they're going to th- they're going to thrive for intimacy and real meaning in life i don't think they're gonna be okay with just fucking robots Settling for a robot yeah i mean i would probably fuck a robot one time i did fuck a fleshlight is <laughs> one of the most <laughs> oh my Im- god and like Amazing. I don't, I don't have like I didn't grow up Catholic, and I don't have like a lot I of like. I mean, try anything once. But here's how bad it was. I was at my friend's. Uh, <laughs> I was subletting his place in New York, and I was like, whatever, I ain't gonna lay it all. And and I was going through his drawer, maybe. You found drawer. his flashlight. I found his flashlight. You fucked his flashlight. So I was like, I've never, and I knew I was never <laughs> going to buy. I knew I was never going to buy one. Please tell me you washed it. And you can't. Oh yeah, I definitely went in there. I like you know shampoo and soap and da da da. And I was like, fine, fuck it, I'll, I'll do it, like, big deal. And I put it on, and uh, 
I mean, from a technical point of view, it works. It was great. It's a good suction. But how did you thing. feel about it after? Immediately afterwards, Empty? I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. It was li- literally it was one of the most depressing moments of my entire life. Ugh. And and I've had sex with people where I'm like, yeah. why did I do that? But at and least I, you were with like a human. A human. Like yeah. I still felt like. Even I was like this, but I still had this underneath. But don't it. you feel like that's shame from mass? That's um, it's what's wrong with it because you're giving yourself a release, and there shouldn't be anything wrong. I with think it. I don't know, but when I was rewashing it after I came in it, I definitely just felt like this, like this is my life right yeah. now. It just was one of the most. It sort of scarred me emotionally more. Than and the so I don't know. I think that at the end of the day, people, yeah, robots, robots. But eventually, people are like, oh fuck, robots. Yeah, I'm done with this no, robot. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I can only imagine. Hey, robot, you're, it's you're not. Just, it's like, not you. It's washing me. Washing this flashlight in the sink, you like look up, like, hey, the, hey, neighbor. Oh my you, like, god! You like look out the sink, the kitchen window. I don't think I've ever told anyone that before. It's so embarrassing. No, that's amazing. That's. Yeah. But I think I. You're right. I think there's so much that we put shame on. That is just normal human behavior, mm-hmm. and that's caused so much damage mm-hmm. to a lot of different people and that's why we have these unhealthy relationships these unhealthy like yeah adult relationships and why we don't value self-love yeah. like self-loathing is almost just like trendy is going to therapy yeah like especially like i mean you even see it in comedy like there's so many self-deprecating comics and i was talking to my friend um i, fr- I think it was my friend bridget fetacy i love her I don't know if it was her. I can't, I don't think it was her, but it was one of my friends. They were talking about how, um, I don't think it was her. Now I'm, but whatever. One of my friends was saying how, oh, it was Andy Bolt. She said it on the podcast. That's who it was. Andy was saying that she was very self-deprecating in her humor. And after a while, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy I get that. Almost, I see it's that. like, okay, well you got it. Why not turn it to a positive? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think it only, I think it works for some people. Like yeah. it's funny, you know, like I, I feel like I can't do self-deprecating humor unless it's like making fun of me sexually. Cause that's funny for anyone, <laughs> but like, I don't have anything self-deprecating other than my depression, you know, to like, which is a lot. A lot uh, right. Back, yeah. But I think that that also does do something to you when you're I see when, you're, when sure. you're making fun of yourself you're thinking oh i'm having a laugh but like okay what are you really laughing at you're, you yeah. know what i mean like you're laughing at it's self-deprecating it's not a health you know what i mean like i don't know but i, I just, completely and then agree you have with you people laughing at that validating that feeling and yeah. it's almost like causing a reverse like self-acceptance if it's, that makes sense okay yes it does because i will tell you this and i've had this conversation with other people so when I look at my life, maybe not recently, but particularly when I was starting comedy in like late 20s or whatever, um, I was like, when I started, I was on a soap opera. I was like on Broadway. I was doing comedy shows. I had like, I had an apartment I owned in Manhattan. Wow. I was a Kundalini yoga instructor. I was a go-go dancer. <laughs> right? <laughs> you lived a So it was life. like, it was like in my 20s in New York, I could I mean, I'm not saying I could have sex with anybody, but like it was kind of like you were crushing puss. Y- hey, you want to go swing Slang. dancing? You want to go salsa dancing? You want to <laughs> see me perform at Webster Hall? You want to see my comedy show? You want to come to set for the soap opera? I mean, whatever it was, yeah. it was it was. But as a comic, I got on stage and I was like, I have to frame myself as kind of like a loser so people yeah. can relate to me. And I do think that I, 
I sort of ingrained that so much into my style of comedy that as I got older and then I wasn't on a soap and I wasn't then um and I was still like, well, I'm doing it to lower myself well, so these I'm people si- feel comfortable. Right. I think after a while, people are like, oh, fuck this loser. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, I'm not a loser, guys. Yeah. Well, no, I think, uh, but that's the thing is like, I think people, it's like you almost, people hide behind that. For and sure. And they're afraid that, oh, if I'm not self-deprecating, then people won't find me funny. Absolutely. And, and that's why I think that you can only go so far with that, with the self-deprecation. But like for the sex stuff, right? You're so, like, I do in my, I talk about in my act, I, I do, I do sort of weird references to like having, like being bad in bed or having a small dick and whatever. We're being, the, the, those just aren't true. Yeah. I've had girlfriends like, why would you ever say that? It's yeah. like not true. But I feel like I can't say the truth because if I said the truth, it wouldn't be funny. It Not only would I be funny, I would sound like I was bragging. Right. And that sounds like me bragging, saying I that mean, I'd be when bragging. You say, but for you to say that, it is funny to be like, oh, he has a tiny dick and he's bad at sex. It That's funny. funny. It's it funny for funny. anyone. You know, yeah. it's a funny and concept. Because and because a dick isn't sort of an emotional thing that you take on. And I know I don't have a small dick. Saying it doesn't doesn't jeopardize my my right. health in any way to go like make fun you of know what sp- the truth is and then there's also fun there's something fun about the fact like oh small dick and then like then you end up with someone there like, oh yeah yeah exactly. so that's also part of it but that's also it's then it becomes disingenuous which is then why the fuck am i doing see it? that's why i can't i i can only i can't lie on like i can't i always like all some comic did something about how she was married before and then she, i get upstage i was like oh shit i didn't know you were married and she was yeah. like i wasn't I was like, I can't get up there and be genuine, oh, I and hate that. I can't tell a joke like, like that, and just like make up a fake. I agree. Life. I agree. Because it's, I could never genuinely tell that joke. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jelson like has that great opener where he goes, "My family was a lot like the Brady Bunch. My dad also died of AIDS." And I was like, "If your dad died of AIDS, that's one of the best jokes I've ever heard." Yeah. If your dad didn't die of AIDS, go fuck yourself. Yeah. But that's just me, kind of, you know. Did his dad die of AIDS? No, of course not. So <sighs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. Kids. Well, that's big. Uh, people come up to me after my show they're like is your mom really and i'm like yeah and then yeah. when laugh factory put up my clip there was people <laughs> there was people under the comics like that's not your mom your mom didn't put oj away and here i am having to like defend my real life to oh, people yeah. on the internet well like, th- this is why i don't talk about my daughter on stage because i used to say oh i should really have a whole set about my daughter and I would try to put it into a headline set like 10, 15 minutes. And then after the show, people are like, do you really have a daughter? I'm like, why the fuck did I do a whole yeah. story about my daughter? Well, is that – you think that's bad that they don't believe you? I don't know what it means. I guess I just – maybe it is. I don't know. I, I it, it bugs me when, when it happens, though. Because now I'm thinking, well, are people spending their whole time thinking about just that joke and not really paying attention because they're like – you well, know what I mean? Because they're like, is that really? Yeah. All I know is that whenever I go to Vegas, and for some reason the Booker of Vegas as credits, and I have, you know, I have some fine credits, but the one that he always puts on is Sex in the City. Yeah. Wait, uh, which episode? Exactly. You know what I mean? So the point is this. I, I will go on the show, do an hour, and after the show, every single woman which Who episode? Are you in Sex- which episode? Who are you in Sex City? Wait, which one? So the whole time they're watching me, all they're thinking is, "Who's in now Sex City?" Now I'm googling it. It's a small part. Yeah, but which season? It was season three. Okay, I'm pulling it up as soon as I get home. I season mean, three. Which, which definitely episode? watch it because I get a nickel. I think. I'm kidding. Do you have a line? 
Yeah, I'm lines. Of course, I wouldn't be an extra saying it. But oh, like, I know. Okay, okay, okay. So season three, which episode? It's called Frenemies. It's <sighs> nothing like yes. whatever. Oh my god, I can't wait to screen. But the this point is, I you. never think about it. But as a so back to your thing, <laughs> the whole time that's all they're thinking. So if I bring up the daughter, does he have a daughter? Does his mom really put OJ away? The whole time people yeah. are thinking like, is this real or is this not real? And th- what they usually ask is like, were you really? On but you Sex know what? That City? makes you memorable. That's no, what, what about my jokes? God damn it. Oh, you're right. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's what you're saying. That's true. For you, it's different. For me, I'm like, yeah, they paid attention to my joke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So That's a good point. That's, uh, so um, tell what uh, tell people where they can find you, follow you, plug your shit. Um, all right. You can find me uh, in my yard a lot of the time. True. <laughs> uh, so I'm... I love being here at the comedy store. I'm yeah. rarely here. I'm a Laugh Factory regular. You the are. first time I came to the comedy store, I saw a fight break out, and it scared me because I'm a little baby. You are the you're like the Laugh Factory daddy. <laughs> you're like the Laugh Daddy. I'm Uncle Bill. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be very like I don't I don't present myself as a sexual being. I just hide. <laughs> I, I shake hands, and then I'm a superhero at night. Mm-hmm. And they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Um. No, so I'm, I'm Laugh Factory. I have a, a podcast through the Laugh Factory called The Afterlife, which you've done. It's you a were, dope podcast. You were great on it. Thank you. Uh, dope, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just I just was in the season premiere of The Good Fight. I don't know if this is going to come out in a while. Um, so. Don't I wouldn't say dates, but just like plug stuff um, where people can find you and okay, you. yes, 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 that's better. Uh, so you can find me at Bill Dawes, which is on the Twitter and on the Instagram and on the Facebook. It's all just at Bill Dawes. You just type in my name, you'll find little treats. And definitely watch Sex in the City <laughs> episode. Season three, episode Frenemies. Yes, for sure. But definitely follow, check him out. And uh, thank you so much for coming and thank sharing you, your life stories with me and talking about the the oh. difficult stuff. Yeah, I could do it. And anytime you want to come back and we could talk about this, continue the conversation on, on my podcast. I'm I think ha- I think you're awesome. Everyone, Rachel Wolf is thank the you best. Thank so much. She's going to blow up in this fucking town. Oh, believe me. Mark I- my words. And then you're going to put me in your fucking show. Oh, well, you heard it here first. From your <laughs> mouth to God's ears. And uh, thank you so much, Bill. You're thank amazing. You. And that's been another episode of Chronic Relief. As always, follow me at Wolfie Comedy, at Wolfie Memes. And thank you to our sponsor, Top Tree. And I'll see you next time. Bye.